0: this is what you need to do, I needed guidance. And I think that's the, one of the differences between mentoring and coaching. Coaching is allowing you to bring things out of yourself, whereas a mentor will develop you and have that more rounded view of your development and, and your, your whole life really, which Richard's helped me in, in other aspects of my personal life as well as with my career development.
1: So today, I am talking to Richard Greaves and Neil Didums about what happens when you get the chemistry right in that mentor-mentee relationship. And some of the, the, the facts, the tips, the component parts that when that chemistry works, you get fantastic results. There's also some brilliant elements to the story whereby they've had a bit of self-discovery, they've learned about what each other are bringing to the table and without saying any more I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves in whatever way they like today and um, we'll go from there. Over to you Neil.
0: Good afternoon Lou. So as Lou said my name's Neil Didhams. I'm currently in Sittingbourne in Kent and it's um, a nice sunny afternoon and um, <clears throat> we're in the district of Swale which currently has the highest COVID infection in the country and I've just finished two weeks of isolation so I'm very much looking forward to going out later and hopefully enjoying some of that some of that sun. My role at the moment is I'm the Director of Property and Asset at West Kent Housing, an uh, opportunity that I started in October this year, and I'm sure we'll probably talk quite a bit about later how I got to got to get that position. Before that, I was working as an independent consultant in the housing association sector, and that was I started that in January 19, which was just four months before I started my Reboot induction in Bristol. That was in the April, and that was the first time I really had any sort of involvement in Reboot and. You know, if, if I'm honest, I was really attracted by the offer of the free iPad, but also the um, amazing courses. But well, after I'd been on the induction, it, it was just a fantastic weekend. I, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Self-discovery, the people I met were fantastic. Martin was brilliant. And it's where I, on the course, if you've done the course, you'll know you will know, you first meet your mentor and I met my mentor. We had a chat and we agreed some time to catch up catch up at a later date and at a time i was going through some personal challenges and some work challenges i just i said i just started a new role i'd been employed probably for my entire life and i just started as a consultant so the big period of change for me and reboot really did come along at exactly the right time
1: Brilliant, thank you, Neil. Oh, we've got some lovely stuff to tap into there, hot topics to talk about. But before we do that, I'm going to get Richard to give us. Where are you, Richard? Where are you talking to us from?
2: Well, I'm I'm in God's country, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm in Cornwall, and I'm I'm very fortunate in that as I look out of the uh, the window here, uh, I'm looking at the rest of the world, and it begins in in Devon. Um, so yeah, God's country this side of the River Tamar, the rest of the world the other. Uh, what's what's my relationship with uh, with with Reboot? Um, well, I've I've known Martin Fricker uh, since 1997 when I when I first met him, and he worked for me. Um, one of the lessons that my my dad told me when I was uh, starting out in my employment in you know my career history was uh, be be very careful whose, um, whose toes you tread on on the way up because they might be connected to the arse that you've got to kiss on the way <laughs> back down. So my, my career, I, I, I got to uh, to what I consider to, to be the, uh, the, the the peak of my career and then things started to ease back as they inevitably do. Uh, and Martin approached me, would I come and do some work with him and Lou and, uh, and, and Steve? Uh, on this project called Reboot, and would I act as a mentor? Um, and it came at the right time for me because, as I say, I'm starting to to slow down. This is about three years ago now. Um, not at that stage, not near to retirement, but wanting to give something back, wanting to help other people who uh, and and perhaps share some of my experience and some of my mistakes, um, and and help them get. Uh, yeah make make some improvements to their own situation. would I be a mentor? Yes, I would um, and i I did a the for those that don't know the mentors themselves do an induction um, That's a day where we we go off in a in a group of about twenty people and really understand what the reboot project is all about and what our role as mentors is about uh, so I, I I did that um, in November. 2017 i think so right at the very start of the project and in early 2018 i went along to an induction uh where i met a lot of booters um and then another subsequent induction after that and my relationship with neil started this year uh in may when i had a phone call from martin um would I be prepared to take on a min- another uh, mentee? Uh, but in this case, it was somebody who had specifically asked for some challenge um, and wasn't getting that from the mentee he had at that time. And as Martin knows, I can be quite challenging um, in, in a number of ways. Uh, would, would, I, uh, would I step up to the plate? Happy, Martin. And here we are.
1: Yeah, Uh, I think there's some nice tenuous links in there about what you've both said, because one thing that Neil and I have in common is in parallel to all of this story that Richard's just described is, um, I actually decided myself a couple of years ago, do you know what, we are putting together this learning and mentoring programme, but actually, do we know ourselves as a team, what it's like to be mentored by this community of amazing people that we've got together um and actually in, in doing the job that we do we need to have the same experience so i've spent some time almost a whole year rich i reckon um where richard used to also grill me neil one day we'll meet <laughs> and have a coffee over this um where i ha- i asked him will you, will you be a mentor um to me for me for one whole year because I'm interested in the experience I've always got something that I want to work on so let's go for it always got something to say always (laughs) need someone to gob (laughs) off at so um so how do you feel about that so I I I kind of get it I, I understand the experience of working with Richard so I'm fascinated to to understand more about your experience and um uh yeah um, i would love it if um you could talk a bit about so initially when you started to work with your original mentor that relationship was the chemistry wasn't right um and and that's okay but i'll let you say a bit more about that
0: yeah so my original mentor we we got on fantastically well we had quite a lot in common he had some really good skills that I thought would work with my new role as as a consultant in sales and other areas where I thought I needed experience where I hadn't worked before Um, so we we had a couple of meetings in the in the sort of first month after that and then I became unhappy with 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 my work and had another call with him and again it was a really good hour-long chat but that's really what it was, an hour long chat. And I think at that point, I realized exactly like you said, I need i need to be challenged by somebody. I need to be pushed by somebody. I need somebody to tell me, you know, this is what you need to do. I needed guidance. And I think that's the, one of the differences between mentoring and coaching. Coaching is allowing you to bring things out of yourself. Whereas a mentor will develop you and have that more rounded view of your development and, and your, your whole life really, which, which has helped me in, in other aspects of my personal life as well as with my career development so although i have gone fantastically with a mentor it wasn't going in the right way we had a different sort of different sort of relationship which is which as you say it's fine it's it's not always going to be the right person mentoring is really about about a, a two way relationship as well you know if you don't if it's not working with your mentee or your mentor i've done mentoring at, at work before as well and it has to it has to be a two way thing and almost like an interview process at the start which i think me and richard did have an interview between us and and actually he's wrong because that wasn't the first um i mean richard's never wrong so he'll just say it was oh, i
1: like that keep that level of challenge at me. <laughs> that's grilling we can get him back today <laughs> uh, he's, <laughs> because he's,
2: he's, he's quite he's quite right i'm
0: never wrong
1: two <laughs> yeah. against I'm, one I'm yeah. <laughs> he's programmed you
0: <laughs> because the first time i came across richard was i actually put a, a message out on slack asked for some assistance with a CV and Richard along with Stephanie was one of the two people that responded so before that phone call with Martin I did have a, a, a little conversation with Richard
2: yeah I remember that now yeah. yeah yeah
0: so going back to my mentor I spoke to Martin um, and that was during the creating personal inca- impact course yeah another fantastic Reboot course that I'll probably come back to talk about. You really
1: invented a new course there, creating <laughs> personal income. That would yeah, be fantastic. Write that down. We need yeah. to do that.
0: <laughs> and I, I spoke to Martin that about about my mental relationship and asked him if it was possible to to change my mentor And in true challenging Martin fashion, he said no issues with that, but I want you to go back first, give it a go, and make sure you know that that this is the right way forward for you which I did, um, and it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't the right way forward. That, that was agreed. So I spoke to him again after the message on Slack about helping with my CV, and we talked about what sort of person I was looking for, what I felt I needed, and I said, I need someone with drive, someone to challenge me, and someone to really develop me. And he said, I know just the person, and um, having already spoken to Richard, I thought, please don't say Richard, please don't say Richard. And he said it's Richard
1: collected <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> but that's that was probably you know but I knew that was the right person. I knew that Richard would push me out of my comfort zone and was the right person to drive me forward, so mm-hmm. that was that that was definitely the right choice by martin
1: mm. there's a couple of points to pick up on there around um so having weren't well, the main one for me is having the confidence to speak about it when something's not quite right or quite working and for anyone who's listening to this who might be in a a a plateau with their mentor where they're thinking you know what i reckon i could try working with someone new or someone different for different ideas and having that the confidence because the green lights here from this side it's a given if something's not working for you we will help you to put that right but you've got to be able to do some stuff yourself that level of challenge which you've described you got from martin yeah. and that level of confidence that you've got personally um to go and re- reset it and do what's right
0: yeah and it's awareness of, of how you're reacting to it as well because I, I could have just carried on going the monthly chats were great it's just nothing was coming from them you know there was no there was no concern there there was no no animosity there was a great relationship but it's, it's having a self-awareness that, you, that you're not moving forward you need to be challenged and that's that's really difficult to accept sometimes well, I,
2: yeah. I, I think from from my perspective <clears throat> in, in my career um i've and and domestically i'm i'm target and result driven you know that's that's just how I am Uh, and I I can't help that my wife gets really um, yeah uh, angry is probably too strong but you know we we're we're different characters and um, I I need to see what the end goal is because if I know what the end goal is I can work out a plan to get from here to there and and I find that you know quite quite easy to do implementing a plan can be really difficult but but that's for for me that is one of the absolute beauties of a of a mentoring relationship is i can see what needs to be done i can say what needs to be done but i don't have to do it myself some somebody else has has to do it they have to do the uh the the the, the really hard work that's that's needed to get from where they are to to where they want to be but understanding where they want to be is the first real challenge, you know, is, yeah, you're talking to me. Why are you talking to me? What is it you want to get? get where do you want to be? And it doesn't matter to, so certainly to me, obviously I can't speak for other mentors, but it doesn't matter to me what it is you want to achieve or when you want to achieve it by. It's knowing what you want to achieve and, and having, having defined that, then I can help you work out a plan to To get there, um, and Neil, bless him, worked out what he wanted to achieve. And having worked out what he wanted wanted to achieve, we we started to put the plan together. He's been fortunate in that um, he's he's reached his goal, perhaps a little bit earlier than I was expecting him to. Um, but that's because he's good at what he does um, and picks all this, picks up all the. Uh, and acts on the hints and tips that mentors can give. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, And it sounds like a happy ending and we could just put a line in the sand there and say, do you know what? That's a successful story. Full stop. But, but talk to me, Richard, about what did you notice in Neil right from the off that you thought this is brilliant. This is going to go somewhere. This is.
2: Um. A willingness to hear and to take on board and neil neil talked about the uh, the cv conversation um, so what what was that he had a cv he wanted it to he he wanted to develop and grow his cv make make it right and he want and this was something he if memory serves, he wanted to do this on the hurry up because he had a a job application and needed to bang this CV in. And I looked at it and yeah, I could see straight away there was a lot of experience there, but it just wasn't presented. And I, and I don't mean, you know, what it looked like from a, uh, you know, the amount of white space or the font or, you know, that sort of stuff. It, It wasn't that it was, the way he described himself the the way he you know he he didn't i i knew that he wasn't making the best of himself just from reading his cv and i knew that it was if i was reviewing those cvs his would have gone in the well maybe pile um as opposed to a definite yes and my first task was to get him to the definite yes um well that's that's what i felt was the advice he, he wanted so I looked at the CV, I phoned him up, and I said, well, it's, it's not good enough. Um, and it's not good enough because bang, bang, bang. And I could almost feel him at the other, because it was on the phone. It wasn't on uh, a, a video call. I could almost feel him sort of being knocked back. Christ, oh, God, oh, dear. Um, but within a couple of days, the CV came back to me, and it was, it was like it was from a different person because uh, I'd I'd used my experience to say this is what you need to do and he did it so it was responding to that challenge that when I think it was about a week or so after that Martin gave me a a call would I take on somebody else it's Neil Um, yeah okay more than happy because I know there's somebody here who is prepared to listen to to what I have to say yeah Um, and and take uh and take note that said uh, you know our whole relationship um isn't just one way with me saying neil do this neil do that he's very very good at pushing back and challenging me and saying well why do you think that richard so that i have to sort of justify what it is that i'm saying so that he understands it so that he knows that it's that there's substance behind it and, and when he's picked up that substance, um, yeah, okay, got that. I can do that now. I'll, I'll, I'll go away and do it. So it's, it's not just a case of blindly accepting what your mentor says. Let's have a bit of pushback, a little bit of challenge there as as well.
1: And, and that's what I'm talking about when we talk about the the ingredients or the the chemistry set or the right chemicals coming together to make the potion that you want that's what I'm talking about that level of pushback that comfort or discomfort or the le- the level of comfort around the discomfort um that and it just all feels okay and operating in that space where is there is the ebb and flow um where you you're cha- Neil's challenging Richard to actually objectively think through what he's just articulated and vice versa it yeah. happens the other way around
2: and one of the things I did—I I don't need to do it now with Neil because we, we've got the relationship. But one of the things that I did right at the beginning was, at the end of the session, we would agree in the same way as you would with, uh, you know, with a with a line manager, if you like. You'd get to the end of a meeting and you'd you'd do a little summary and you'd say, right, okay, we've agreed that you're going to do this and you're going to do it by this time, and that and that's both ways, you know, because I, I was. Uh, Um, uh, suggesting that Neil reads some particular books and so on. So I might have to send in the title or the author, you know, that sort of, so that's an action on, on me. So we would agree as a set of actions from the meeting, but the more important thing is I would always ask, did you get any value out of today's session? You know, yes or no. And if the answer is no, why not? What can we do about it? Luckily we didn't, we didn't have a, a no. Um, but it was always, yes, I, yes, I have. Right. That's fantastic. Good. Do you want another session? Um, and yes, I do. And then we'd uh, arrange when, when that was the other key thing, of course, to say in all of this is that for every session, irrespective of when it was or when it was, or whatever was going on, um, Neil showed up and the reboot mentees will, will remember from the induction day, that uh, or the induction weekend, that that's one of the key things is, uh, is showing up. It's not just being sat in the room, it's being present in the room um, and paying attention and, and giving it, you know, it's, it's important stuff, giving it, uh, gi- giving, it, giving it your best. And Neil yeah. did that every time.
1: Yeah. Uh, and in the very first podcast of this series is a conversation with me and Martin and it is about that very thing are we going through this entire experience with our eyes shut or our eyes open? And if our eyes are open, are we sending, you know, these requests out to the universe or the mentor or call it what you want about what we actually specifically want. And it's Mm -hmm. that level of presence that makes the difference around what, you know, how much we get from the learning and the interactions along the way. Um, So on that subject, Neil, you get to share now, how did Richard show up for you?
0: So I think from that first meeting, as, as Richard talks about for the CV, Richard showed up. He was incredibly interested. He he'd understood what I'd re- what I'd requested. He'd read my CV. He was totally um, invested in me as well. Uh, and that was the f- that was our first contact. But he was uh, uh, to say knocked back was probably a good a good way. You know, I thought my CV was adequate. Uh, I mean, I'd reached out because obviously. I was looking for for a little bit of improvement, and I, but I thought it was of a, of a, a good standard. So when Richard gave me that a real uh, honesty, so that, that's another thing that Richard always always has his honesty. But he backs up with substance. So whilst he picked out the areas that could be improved, he also gave me really good explanations of why, how that would be read, how he would do it, how he'd experience. That's one thing Richard brings every time we talk is experience stories uh, of when things have worked when things have happened real life experience and I think you know that's the best best experience you can get from a mentor he's yeah he always always shows up at every every meeting we have and for myself I always prepare for the meetings as well because it's an investment of my time as well so I always know what I want to talk to richard about What outcomes we want and I think we sort of set that up from the first one so I was emailed the personal action plan before we had our first meeting with Richard and we went through that and agreed the outcomes that we both wanted and what we could deliver and what we couldn't deliver what, what things we couldn't change and again Richard was had a real level of understanding of where I was in my life personally and with my work he'd obviously taken the time as I did to prepare he taken his time to prepare for that for those meetings and he always does if i send him anything in between meetings and he supported me through uh, we haven't talked about the interview process and how my cv went on that first one but he supported me through two interview uh, processes fantastically and availability as well rich is always available for me we will always you know have a telephone conversation or or a text and if if i need we do agree a meeting every time we meet and an action plan moving forward. But if anything comes up in between time, which is available there for me and will, and will give me support whenever I need it.
1: Brilliant. I'm, I'm writing the list now. I'm writing the recruitment list for the next army of mentors. So accountability, someone who's interested, invested, honesty, substance, and availability you can have that in your next mini bio rich next time you're knocking something up for this i I think
2: i'm going to employ neil as a pr for me
1: and what we're really talking about there on both sides of the fence whether it's mentor mentee we're talking about that that self-leadership quality and the you know all of those descriptors there but in in addition to that you know or underpinning all of that is empathy and genuine positive regard for each other's lives and worlds so while we're on that subject I wondered whether you know because we've all got a a backdrop haven't we to our lives and other stories going on and I don't know that much about you Neil actually we've had quite limited interaction yeah. um, and I think we only met for a day in Bristol because I had to sprint off and and go and deal with a, a significant allergic reaction in a child <laughs> but um, I just wondered whether you could share a little bit about the the story because the, the work thing fits into the the life backdrop doesn't it so is it okay for you to share a couple of things yeah
0: so the I mean the journey. So, as I said, I was, when I started in April, I'd just recently changed roles uh, to a consultant for housing associations. And I'd also come out of a 20 year marriage in the December of that year as well. So there's lots of things going on personally and work-wise. And I think as, as I went through the mentoring process previously, those two things were separated so we didn't really discuss any of the personal issues but we did all the time was was spent on the career but if you're not stable and understanding where you are in your relationship wise and your home situation it's difficult to sort of move forward with the work and understand your whole development and that's so when I first had the first meeting with Richard and we went through the uh, action plan half of it was about my career development where I wanted to be and how I was feeling with work but a significant part of it was where i was personally and what my personal situation was because in the in the two years that hadn't changed significantly that was still in a very similar situation was, was causing me concern but richard picked up both of those items immediately didn't separate them out but dealt with them separately and we, we had an action plan of how we would move both things forward and that that really has changed and interestingly our last meeting which i think was probably just a couple of weeks ago we haven't discussed a personal one for a little while because obviously richard's just seeing a lot more positivity coming from me and seeing those that that's all okay now but we did go back and touch and just recap on where we were with that and richard just requested an update on that situation
1: yeah and and now you've got, and actually over to you, Richard, on this one, because when you get, because we meet so many different characters in, in the work that we do. Um, so when we come up against slightly more emotional uh, family relationship circumstances, and we've all got them in one way, shape or form, how do you, how do you manage that? So what typically do you use to manage those
2: hot spots? Um, it, when these things are raised, for me, it brings a real icy chill down my spine. Um, I'm not terribly empathetic, um, I'm not terribly sympathetic. Uh, I find personal relationships quite difficult um i i'm not a very uh i'm I'm, I'm a bit of a loner i'm not i'm not anti-social or anything like that but i'm you know i I prefer my own company and doing doing my own thing so when somebody says in in the nicest possible way i'm having trouble with my personal life this this and this it's like god well, how you know how on earth can I help you solve that? Um, because you know it's it's emotive, isn't it? It's, it's emotion, and I don't I don't do emotion. That's other other people do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I don't get involved in emotion. Um, so what what do I do? Uh, I I just fall back on my work experience. Right, what's the problem? Where do you you know what's the situation now? Where do you want to be? Uh, what steps can can you take to get from where you are to where you want to be and and treat it like just another project um, which may sound sort of uh, I, I don't know callous and and unfeeling but um, doesn't mean i don't care not mm-hmm. not for a second but uh, but that's that's how i that's how I approach things. You know, what are the steps I need to go through to get from where I am to where I need to be? Um, that said, I mean, it, you know, I, I've been married for well, I've been with my wife since one thousand nine hundred and eighty four. So what's that? Thirty six years. Um, it's net. It's not always been a bed of roses. It <laughs> there have been ups and downs, of course there have, um, and we've worked our way through it like like you do um and we've we've been close to the edge as well you know so i guess i must have in, in the conversations with neil um i must have drawn on that personal experience as well as using what i would call the uh you know the the business management techniques to solve a problem mm-hmm. um,
1: that's um that's you know for me listening to that I'm thinking well actually that's all the more reason to come to you Richard because you have a great skill in taking the heat out of it take the emotion out and let hang on let's look at this let's put it on the table what we're talking about here right well that's not working and and there's that rational logical let's make this real here for a minute, forget all the emotion. And sometimes, Neil, I don't know whether you agree with this, but that's what we need, isn't it, in those moments?
0: Yeah, very much so. And I I would agree that Richard um, isn't very sympathetic, but I would probably disagree with the empathy slightly. Somebody once um, said to me, or said, what's the difference? And they described it as if if you'd fallen down a well. um, Sympathy is somebody getting in the well with you and saying it is really terrible down here isn't it and empathy is them standing at the top and saying i need to get you a ladder to get you out and that's that's what richard did at that time he said right what's the situation and and quite you know what's the worst and then what and then what so you know and i was like what if i lose this and he's like yeah and then what what would that mean where would you go then what how would you live then and really challenging you know and then what all those whys to get me to to get us to a point of right so this is actually what the what the issue is so yeah he did take the emotion out of it and and dealt with it and we yeah it's, it has significantly moved on since since mm-hmm. then with Richard's support
1: so so big things going on in your life knowing so new job horizon knowing where you want to go with that um uh, you mentioned earlier about interviews and and again can you fill in the gaps for me because i don't really know how many interviews there were or or from that point of dealing with the relationship piece and you guys getting into a newish relationship together in in, in that learning supporting role to where you are now so there's stuff that's gone yeah. on in between so
0: so i had the so richard helped me with the with cv and then a week or so later became my Mentor, and then I was fortunate enough to be offered a uh, an interview off the back of my CV, which obviously I uh, thank Richard for, for his support with that. So we had a discussion about what would come next, what would happen, and probably out of the blue, and probably as a surprise to both of us, they sent me a, an email I think on a Friday maybe saying the next day to the interview was a three minute video to talk about how you would enter the role so there was no there, it was there was no interview it was just send this video in you talking for three minutes and I, I, I was like a rabbit in the headlights like what do i do where, where do i go from here what what can i talk I've about i've got to interrupt you three here. minutes
2: i've got to inter- interrupt you here my first thought on this was well look you know we because we're always doing this on a video length um and every every meeting that we've had neil has been sat in his, sat in his front room on the yep. sofa, you know, with a laptop. Uh, it may, maybe it's on a de- on a coffee table, or maybe it's on his lap. I'm thinking, hang on, we can't do this. But what do they want? They obviously want a head and shoulders video, don't they? So, so that's what I was thinking. Oh God, we, I've got to help here, but I don't know how. Back to you, Neil. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. So me and Richard had a telephone call about how we how we would deliver that and, and how we wanted to move that forward. And I started to, so I was starting to think about some of the courses I'd been on and we was talking about dumb goals that came from the original reboot course and some of the creating personal impact course as well about how we would do the video. And during that conversation, and again with Richard challenging me, we came up with the idea of having a newspaper headline of what we wanted to be and it was for the company to to win awards. And that was our sort of end point for the video and then we worked backwards and worked out a whole storyboard of how we would produce that mo- moving forward. So I spent the weekend creating the video, which actually went extremely well. Luckily, my eldest son is at university studying sound at Farnham UCA, again, with the support of the Eager Trust with a bursary as well. So more thanks to Eager for that. And um, yeah, so we... we Submitted that, and then I was lucky enough to be offered a second interview off the back of that. I,
2: f- I think Neil is underselling himself here. He's,
1: he's <laughs> absolutely un- very underselling dry himself. description. <laughs> we,
2: we worked through um, this whole video and what he was going to say and how he was going to say it, um, and so on and so on. Um, and then I saw the the actual video, and it it was. It was like watching news at ten um, it Neil was standing standing in his garden. the sun was shining. it was a you know a talking head there was a, a decent decent background. Uh, it cut across to some graphics with some music, uh, some pictures of newspapers with headlines on them, and this job that he was going for you know because of he he had been appointed in the role this award had been won you know and it was an absolutely first-class piece of work and if you know if I had been um, the, the one of the directors of the company and that had landed on my in my inbox I said yeah get this guy get him in front of me I you know I don't I'll clear my diary for uh, for for this interview. I must see this person. Um, it was a fantastic piece of work.
1: Thank I'm you. Be happy with it, Neil.
0: It was brilliant. Yeah, it, it went really really <laughs> well. So it, was it was brilliant. It was, <laughs> it was it was it was really really good. And I think the the end point again, Richard. We talk about this, but that whole thing, about, Richard said, if you had that role. What would happen? What would it look like? And that's what I say. That's what we, that was the end of the video. And the rest of it was building up to that. The other thing I did, I, had, I asked two people who used to work for me to do a quick short talking heads themselves about what it was like to mm. be led by me. And that, that we had two 30 seconds, probably less than that, because we only had three minutes to do the whole video. But we had, we had them talking about that. So that, that was interactive. So it did, the video worked really, really well. Yeah. I'm happy to share that with anybody if they wanted, if they've got a similar experience or a similar request for a for yeah. a, for an interview. So, fortunately, from that, I was asked to attend the second stage interview. So I had another call with Richard to prepare for the interview, and I had the interview. It was it was done by Zoom, which was re- really difficult because it's not easy to read people. It's not easy to know when to stop talking. And unfortunately, I literally missed the point on that when, it, when you need to stop talking on Zoom, which was a, a real learning experience for me. So I waffled through every single answer that, that I was, that, to, to, they, they questioned me on. The interview did finish on time, but I hadn't told them anything that I, that I should have told them. I think all of the advice that Richard had given me for not waffling, short, sharp answers to the point this is where, where, where we're going to be just left my head for that day. So unsurprisingly, I wasn't offered the, the position after that.
1: Wow. So I was thinking you're going to get the job then. See, okay. So how did you cope with that? And what was, what happened then in the relationship with you guys?
0: I was, uh, I was really disappointed, really disappointed. And even more so when they told me that after the video I was actually in first place for, <laughs> for the role. <laughs> and, and yeah, I I I scheduled another another call with Richard. Obviously, I gave him the news straight away, once I'd heard. And then we scheduled a, a catch up in. And I, I was I was pre- feeling pretty beat up. So it'd be interesting to hear how Richard feels that meeting went afterwards. Um.
2: Well, you were pretty beat up, uh, but. I, I think the in in that meeting the um, the point is that you knew you knew you'd stuffed it, and you knew why you'd stuffed it. You knew, you knew exactly what what you'd done, and so you know it's it's always great when you go to an interview and you and you get a job, and nobody wants to hear you bang on about learning experiences and so on. But but you really learned something in in that uh, from from that. From that failure, yep. um, So it, it was about getting up and uh, and and starting it, starting again. And as I recall, we at, at that point um, we we started exploring. Well, do you really want to um, go off and you know leave leave the small company that you're working with and go off to work with somebody else? What was it you really wanted from a job? What what was the uh, the autonomy that you were after? What was the money you were after? Um, what was the nature of the work and so on and so on? And, and we worked out a number of uh, a number of different strategies that might help you to uh, to to get to that point. And I know you had some of those conversations with your the the guy that then was was your boss to to explore if there's a different way of progressing within the company you were with. And again, as I recall, you know, your, your boss was sufficiently impressed to, um, to give you a small pay rise, if, yep. if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, and then I, and, and I, can't, I gen, genuinely can't recall now, but uh, at some point you came we, we had a session and you said, "I've applied for another job." and i've got an interview can you help me um and and can can you help me prepare for the interview
0: yeah so going back to that first meeting and something that richard introduced me to was um icky guy mm. which was the first time i'd heard that and i thought i'd heard the most uh ideas and ways of of, of moving of, of sort of Analyzing your situation and and your life goals and and what you want. So, but Richard said, look up Yikigai is really good, and that's exactly where I was because I didn't know at that point which way I wanted to go. So, it, anyone listening, feel free to look it up. But it's it really you write down what you're good at, what is your vocation, what you love, what's your passion, what you get paid for, and what the world needs, and then you look at what is in the centre of that and what's really important to you and we sort of we did come up with two ideas one was that I would build a department within the company I was I was still working in and the other one was this move into a director role in a housing association so we sort of moved both both things forward and that was just coming into the summer and then I saw a job advertised online just before i went on holiday i had my cv already because we'd obviously been through that whole process looked like a really good opportunity so i just sent my cv in when i was on holiday in germany in august i got an email saying congratulations you've been successful um the interview is for this day and the day was the day i literally returned from holiday so i had the interview without telling richard (laughs) For the first interview, so I just I literally came home the day before from holiday. It was at ten o'clock next morning. I turned up and had the interview, and it couldn't have gone better. And that really was based on my learning from the previous experience, and it was from the conversations I'd had after that interview with Richard, where he'd picked me up. We'd gone through what had happened. I'd recognised my mistakes, but also knew I could do a lot better. Went went to the interview. All went really well. And they phoned me that afternoon to say that i had been successful, and there would be some tests and another interview, which is when I got back in touch with Richard and said, "You're not going to believe what's happened." So, um, yeah, go on.
2: No, after after you, go on, go on.
0: So, I had some I had some tests for the before the second interview. There was like a a month gap between the two interviews. I had some some tests I had to do. They sent me some. Papers I had to review and return, and then I had to discuss the paper that I'd. So you had thirty minutes to write a paper, but they emailed you the topic. Then thirty minutes later, you had to return the paper. So you had no, you could do no prior research. You didn't know what it was going to be on. Me and Richard had had conversation before, so we'd written down a list of things we thought it could be. We also wrote down, which was really really important. Richard said, whatever the topic is, this is the structure. To return it in and I can't remember that structure <laughs> off my head at the moment but this is a structure you're going to use whatever topic comes in so when the topic came in and it was a surprise it wasn't anything I was expecting but I had a structure to follow so I just went methodically through that structure returned it then they called us in for the for the final interview the second interview and I knew I, I And this one good one of the best bits of advice that Richard's I mean he's given me loads of advice but one of the best things that he says to me is just question it and you 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 think I, I can't I can't ask that question that literally nobody asked that question so he said to me "Well, just ring him up and ask him what they're going to interview you on I said I can't I can't ask him what 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 the questions are going to be in the interview he said, why not I said I said you can't he said no email him ask him what so and so I literally did I said hi, can you give me some more information? How's the interview going to go? And they broke down how the interview was going to go. And they said, the first 10 minutes is going to be talking about the report that you've written. So that gave us some guidance on how we were going to go through the interview. So I sent the report to Richard, expecting him to say, wow, fantastic. I can't believe you did that in an hour or 30 minutes. Um, but no, just like my CV, it was terrible. And he had a whole load of red lines through it. Whole load of questions, really challenging. So we we had a pre we had a meeting before the interview, <laughs> which which was terrible. And I thought I just can't go for the interview now. This is <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, but he, he he we went through the report. He was really challenging, and that just did me, that was just fantastic. The, the, the best preparation I could have done for going into the second interview.
1: I like that. That's a bit like um, the, I guess, the metaphor of we go into like the healthcare system, for an example here. We go in and we get a diagnosis on something, and because we have somebody of the medical profession, perhaps, sat in front of us who holds all the cards and all the knowledge and all the power we become powerless or we give ourselves that, that label for a moment, don't we? And then we don't ask any more questions. And then we walk out and we start worrying about what they've just said, but we never ask the question. So I like that. I like that you phoned up and then they told you everything. So it was great.
2: Well, for me, it's, it's, this, this is dead easy stuff. You know, they, they don't invite you along. No, nobody invites somebody along to an interview to see them do badly. Because you don't want that. You want people. You want to see people's best, so that you know that when you spend your your hard-earned company money on that individual, you know you're you're going to get value for money. And you know, and it is big money. So if if you've got somebody who's earning fifty, sixty grand a year, that that fifty or sixty grand a year is going to cost the company seventy, eighty grand a year. You employ somebody for four years. What are we up to? Half a million pounds? Mm. Now, I'm going to spend half a million pounds. I want to make sure that I'm getting all the features and benefits that half a million pounds buys. I want the person to do well. So if the person shows enough, enough gumption to get on the phone or send an email to say, help me out here. I want to do my best for you. What do I need to do? They're going to tell you what you need to do. Um, And if they don't, then you've got a decision to make, haven't you? Do I really want to work for an organisation that isn't prepared to help me out? And actually, no, I don't. Uh, I'd rather work for a company, for an organisation that will help me out, that will support me. So it's an indicator. An interview is always a two-way process. It's not just about you um, being exposed to, uh, to the great and the good. You know, it's, it's the other way around as well. Do I really want to work for these people? What can I take from the way that they've behaved in this interview? Uh, and do I want to work within that culture? So Neil, picking up the phone or emailing, which, which, whichever it was, and then giving him the answer, did a couple of things. One is it made Neil feel, or at least I hope it made fi- Neil feel more comfortable about the process. That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, if there had been two absolutely equal candidates, Neil would have been just that little bit better than the next candidate, because he'd shown a bit of initiative uh, and, and maybe even, you might even call it innovation by getting in touch. Um, so he yeah. gave himself an edge.
1: It's a cracking story and I think there'll be loads in there for anyone who's going through that process and I know because I sit at the the beating heart of Reboot and the headquarters and I see all the messages and the types of help that people need from us and and the mentor community so I know hearing that and people listening to that will take something away about some really practical very quick wins that they can they can use so uh, i want to rewind a little bit you mentioned ikigai yep. and um, i would like you or or richard to expand on that if you don't mind I, I know what it is i've come across it a number of times but i'd love it if you could describe that for anyone who's listening
0: um
2: ikigai is a is a, a japanese thing I, I don't know the origins of it um but if if you if you Google it, it's spelt IKEGAI, Ikigai. Um, and then look for Google, you know, look look for the images. What you'll see is, um, is four four circles, uh, four overlapping circles. And each each circle overlaps with two others, sort of around the edge, but all four circles overlap together in the middle. And as, as Neil said earlier, uh, each circle represents something uh, about your. And you you can use it for your personal life. You can use it for for your work life, and and so on. But but each circle represents what do, the first circle is. What what do I enjoy enjoy doing? I love going. I don't know I love going fishing. Might might be an example. Um, what does the world need? Well, the you might put in there the world needs food, for example. What are people then the next one around would be what do what are people prepared to pay for? Well, they're prepared to pay for food because they need food. And then you, your last one is what am I good at? And let's say it's um, selling. So where those things overlap right at the center of that, you might get yourself a job selling fishing tackle or selling uh, or selling fish in a market or some, something like that, so you 're actually doing something which which is a aligned to something something that you, that you actually enjoy in neil 's case um, he 's got a strong a strong drive to work in the social housing sector. Um, you know, for, for what, whatever, for whatever reason, because, you know, he's got the right skills, he's got the experience, people are prepared to pay for it, etc., etc. Um, and And that, that was the, uh, that, that was the answer. So yeah, it's guy.
1: Good, good, good. And I know that people will go away and Google that. I think it's a useful yeah. tool and tip. Uh, and there are more and more conversations these days and, and, and much more stuff that I listen to around sense of purpose and connecting to what am I good at what What do I like, and how does it make me feel, etc So more mm. people are on this quest to feel that connectedness um, and we're go- 're going to be wrapping up this conversation soon, but uh, I wondered, Neil, whether you could because I know there are other learners and listeners in this community who do work in that social housing sector and they work there for very specific reasons, and it is because it 's connected. To there, it's close to home. It, it's there's a sense of purpose attached to it because the reach that that sector has and the impact that that sector has is significant. And I wonder whether you had any words on that for us.
0: I mean, I th- yeah, exactly that, and that's why I work in why I work in that sector. The the making a change every single day to people's lives and providing a home, a community. A social value to everybody is is the reason I do it it's 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 a fa- it's just a fantastic sector to work in and, and I would recommend it to anybody it's, it's a it's quite an unknown sector and, and to be fair I only discovered it probably seven or eight years ago so prior to that I'd been in, in private and commercial sectors and I started working for homes for Harringay and sort of the fantastic work they, they were doing on their estates. And that that really, I sort of looked at what I was doing and thought, I'm, I'm not making this difference. I'm not changing people's lives in this way. I, I don't have this value every day that I go to work and make a difference to people. And that's what I wanted to do. So I made it my purpose then to get a role in social housing, following on from that. And I was fortunate enough to, to do that and drive that through. And I, and I so, so stayed in that that sector since and then one of the reasons I I, I had a, a good job working for a, for a housing association but I wanted to experience more and see more of the work that was going on and that's why I decided to go and work for the consultancy to move around the sector and provide best practice and try and align the sector and, and I think and, and obviously I've gone back into working for a housing association now as, as we've said as director of property and asset and what I now want to see is housing associations coming together to deliver the real emergencies. We've got, you know, the building safety, Grenfell was horrendous and should never happen again. The climate emergency is real and is happening and the social housing sector can be a real kickstart to that. But what can't happen is that all of the, there's, there's a lot of, so, there's a lot of housing associations for profit, not for profit out there and local authorities and what they need to do now is come together and work together to find a solution that everybody can use. There's no point in everybody going off on their own, uh, on doing their own little bits around, around the country. We need to all pull together and ha- have a, a, a social purpose for, for climate change.
1: Mm. Powerful, powerful stuff. Um, so before, before we wrap up then, I wondered whether you could lead from that into how you, so we we know how much Richard has helped Neil out. I'm wondering Richard, what's been the learning and the big takeaway from being in this fantastic relationship with Neil?
2: I think there's there's a a couple of things really. One is um, mentoring is I, I I really really enjoy mentoring I really do um, because it's you know it, it just gives me such a buzz when when somebody follows the advice that I've given that I've offered um, and then as a, as a direct consequence of that they, they get a big win I, I get an incredible buzz out of that real sort of vicarious pleasure um but it's it's not easy. It is challenging. And Neil, half an hour ago, spoke about um, the fact that I'm always prepared, that uh, that I've done my homework beforehand, that I'm prepared to challenge, and, and you know, and, and all of that stuff. Well, I've got to because he's on his toes. You know, he's he's he's, he's, he's a good boy. You know, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's not silly, um, and and. Sometimes some of my challenge is because i've I've taken a bit of a a bit of a knock from him with without him realizing it you know it's the, oh God, where do I go now? you know I've not come across this before this is this is an issue for me i I need to give myself a bit of space a bit of time to think, so I'll come straight back at him with a little challenging question, make him think. That gives me the opportunity to, uh, to to just think through. So, so there are two two things. One is, yeah, you've got to if you're going to do your mentoring and you're going to do it well, you've got to be prepared. Um, you, and you've got to be honest. You, you, and I think you, you've got to you've got to challenge, but be prepared to be challenged as well. I don't know if that's three things. But,
1: uh, you can have as many as you like. It's Christmas. Yeah. Help it's yourself. Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs>
2: uh, I, I, yeah, I could go on. I could go
1: on. <laughs> so, so for me, this has been. Um, so, my intention for asking you to come and have a chat about this, this journey of discovery that you've described so beautifully, is the intention is to bring these stories. What well, we've got so many access to, so many great stories. Um, with lots of different twists and turns. And I want more and more people to hear about that. I want more and more people to hear about the effort and the hard work that you guys put in, not us, you. And because I know that when we're listening to something while we're loading the dishwasher, going out for a run or pottering around in the garden, when that audio is just dripping in there and it's a great discussion and there are insights, we start to think about the changes, the tweaks, and the um, improvisations that we can make in our own life. And I know that because I'm living proof of it. So I just want to kind of get that out there to more and more people if I can. So everything that you guys have talked, uh, have talked to and about has been valuable, insightful, and I cannot thank you enough for your time.
0: Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Thank you, Luke.
1: So tomorrow we will be talking to the lovely Trevor Mortimer and he will be talking to us about what he came to Reboot for, what did he want in his shopping bag uh, compared to what he actually got, his journey and what he's going to be doing next. So tune in, press play and I'll meet you there.